Hi, everyone. Support for this show is brought to you by our friends at Bloomerang. Bloomerang offers donor management and online fundraising software that helps small to medium nonprofits like First Tee of Greater Akron, a nonprofit that empowers kids and teens through the game of golf. And after just one year with Bloomerang, they doubled their unique donors, improved donor stewardship, and raised more funds. Now, to listen to the full interview with First Tee of Greater Akron, visit bloomerang.com slash nonprofit dash nation, bloomerang.com slash nonprofit dash nation, or click the link in the show notes. Thanks, and let's get to the show. Hello, and welcome to Nonprofit Nation. I'm your host, Julia Campbell, and I'm going to sit down with nonprofit industry experts, fundraisers, marketers, and everyone in between to get real and discuss what it takes to build that movement that you've been dreaming of. I created the Nonprofit Nation podcast to share practical wisdom and strategies to help you confidently find your voice, definitively grow your audience, and effectively build your movement. If you're a nonprofit newbie or an experienced professional who's looking to get more visibility, reach more people, and create even more impact, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Nonprofit Nation. I'm your host, Julia Campbell. And today I have a very special guest. We have a nonprofit that um, is going to share a case study of how they are tackling the huge problem that we have in the sector of donor retention and some strategies that all of us can use and maybe some technology that we can use. So I'm really excited to welcome Amy Gibson. Amy is a Muncie native and she went to Ball State University. Directly out of college, she started working at a telecommunications company that had 13 regional sales offices nationwide, and she worked her way up in the company from the sales assistant to the executive assistant to the president, doing everything from training new sales assistants to running events and everything in between. So she's now the director of resource development at the Boys and Girls Clubs of Muncie, a position that she took on in February of 2020. 20, which I imagine led to lots of challenges, but I will let her tell you that story. So welcome, Amy. So happy to have you. Thank you, Julia. Thanks for having me on today. I truly appreciate it. Yeah. So you wrote in your email that a friend invited you to apply to the Boys and Girls Club. So can you tell us that story of how you started there? I think a lot of us can resonate with the path that you took and the journey that you took and then a little bit about your current job responsibilities. I was really just looking for a different challenge. I had been working at a printing company for about seven years and 13 years at the telecommunications company, so about 20 years. And I was like, you know what? This is great, but I'm looking for my next challenge. And so my best friend happened to reach out to me and she's like, I am the executive assistant right now, but I think you could do an amazing job. I'm getting ready to go into into childcare agency and, and go off and do some other things. And I think this would be great. So I went and applied. It actually came down to two different Amy's that were going to for this job. And so um, 
I got the job, and that's been six and a half years ago. Started out as the executive assistant, did that for two and a half years, then was promoted to a director of grant-based initiatives. So all I did was work on grants and and get a process and, and put in place so we could be successful as a small nonprofit. And then from there, like like you said, in February of 2020, right before the hit, was promoted to the director of resource development. And then March hit, and then I spent 12 weeks at home because I helped take care of elderly family, and so I was afraid to be actually in the building with kids and and everything else. So I ended up working from home for the first three months. So that was a really big transition. And there was no director of resource development before me. This is from scratch. I'm I'm learning every day on what it takes. And so it's a lot of fun. <laughs> so were you open during the pandemic? I know that a lot of Boys and Girls Clubs were open because they are like an emergency provider. We were open. We were only closed, I think, a total of two weeks during the entire pandemic. And that was only because of COVID cases of our own staff, and we didn't have enough staffing to watch children. But we were open for emergency personnel. Anybody who needed to go into work, whether that was the local gas station, the grocery store, police officers, EMS, whoever it was, we were there for kids. We had between 30 and 50 kids every afternoon or every day from 7.30 to 5.30 every day. (laughs) Wow. It's such important work. So how big is the organization? Like how many employees? So today we stand at 45 employees. When I started, there was only six. So in the last six years, that's how big of growth we have gone from one location. And as of January 17th, we opened our third location this year. And we just moved into an administrative site uh, so we can move our administrative offices out of our biggest site because we needed the space for kids. That building alone sees 125 kids every afternoon. Oh my gosh. That's amazing though. Congratulations on that growth. So, you know, I know that nonprofit staff is very humble, but, you know, as a director of resource development, like tell us a little bit about what you do. And I know that you contributed to that success and that growth. So my role with resource development is I handle everything. And when I mean everything, I mean everything. So everything. Oh, I th- I hear a lot of people just like saying hallelujah. Yes, <laughs> that's their job too. Exactly. It's all individual donations, all corporate donations, all grants, all special events. Yeah, everything. Marketing, doing updating the website, doing all of that. So I handle it all. Yes, I have a CEO, but only a portion of his time is dedicated towards resource development. He still has to oversee, you know, the operations and the programs. So I would say about 20% of his time actually goes towards resource development and the rest of it's up to me. So how many employees are, are dedicated to programs? So of that 45, the majority are programs. Majority are programs. I am the only resource development person at this moment. I'm in the process of hopefully hiring two more people in the coming month to two months. So that's my fingers crossed. So that way I can also function on other things. I've actually had to outsource all of my marketing and it's going amazing. I love that part. Oh, good. So that is going well. That is going extremely well. And I'm very happy with the the company we chose and for the fact that I've worked with them before on various other projects in our community And they just have done an absolute amazing job. So I'm going to give a little shout out to Aspect 6 Creative and say thank you. 
Okay, well, I know that we're supposed to be talking about donor retention, but I took two notes. I want to talk later on about time management (laughs) and tips on working with an agency and outsourcing. So as everyone knows, maybe they don't know, as you know, this month's Nonprofit Nation podcast sponsor is Bloomerang, the fantastic, fabulous people, Bloomerang. And they recommended you as one of their most outstanding clients, just getting absolutely amazing fundraising results. And one of the statistics that they gave me is that you increased your donor retention rate from 26% to 46%. So can you let us in on on how you did that and, and give us some tips and advice? So one of the biggest things is using Bloomerang. I use every aspect of it. So biggest thing for me is with my board members. I actually have all of my board members have access to the Bloomerang database. They can actually log into the system. Now, they don't have admin rights, but they can actually log into the system. And I actually send them tasks to do. So whenever we have a donor who gives a gift, I can actually set up a task where I say, hey, I need you to send an email, make a phone call, and say thank you. We all know that if a board member makes a phone call, that donor is probably twice as likely to give again if they hear from a board member. So that's number one. Number two is I started going out onto Facebook, LinkedIn, tracking our donors down and trying to figure out when their birthdays were and sending out personalized birthday cards from our kids. They did kid artwork inside. They get a little birthday balloon, a candle, some birthday confetti, and the card is signed by all of our senior leadership staff. And that gets put in the mail like a week before their birthday and that gets mailed out. It's itty bitty little touches that make a huge difference. A larger gift for me, anything over $500 is a large gift. I have pictures. I've actually went out and taken pictures of my club kids holding a sign that says, thank you. And I make sure that these people, when they get their donation letter um, to say, thank you, I put a picture in there that they can put on their refrigerator to remind them why they gave to the club. It's just a feel good moment. Hugely important. And, oh, I love that birthday, the birthday reports. Wait, so how did you find the birthdays? And I know for a lot of people that are identifying with the fact that you're doing everything, but trying to probably wrap their brain around how they could incorporate this into their daily workflow. Is there a kind of system and a process that you have in place? I would start with my friends. Any of my friends that are on my Facebook list, I started with them first. And then I went through and figured out, okay, let me take 20 minutes, go out on Facebook, and you can pull up the birthday list. And I just went through and I started entering everything into Bloomerang. That's what I did first. Then I went to LinkedIn, another 20 minutes, looked at birthdays, pulled it up, added it into my system. And then it literally will take you not very long, 15, 20 minutes, enter that information into Bloomerang, and then once a week, run your report. And it'll pull up the list. I actually go to the Dollar Tree and buy cards. I get all my candles there, my balloons there, my confetti there. So in essence, besides postage, which is super expensive anymore, everything else costs me less than 75 cents total. So donor retention seems to be a key pillar of your resource development strategy. Can you tell us a little bit about 
how you balance donor retention, maybe with donor acquisition? So our donor acquisition, I really focus that on our special events. We only have two special events a year and they're exactly six months apart because I do not want to be doing them every week or every month. I know some clubs my size have an event every month. That's just too much work. So I really look at, okay, who's coming to these events? Are they already a donor? Are they not a donor? And how do I get them to become a long-term donor after the event is over? And that all goes down into, do you have your thank yous already set up when they're at the event and they make their donation? Are they automatically getting their donation thank you right then and there? Are you following up the next day and saying, hey, I just want to say thank you so much for coming to our event. Have you sent out an email blast to say thank you? And this is how much we raised all because of what you did last night. Do you have that set up and ready to go? And then what fun extra things are you doing at your event? So for instance, we're doing a photo booth this year. That is another touch point. So anybody who's there is going to have access to see all of these photos that we took that night up. It's just a little bit of touch points that you have to do. And then the next month in April for us, I'm going to have our board members follow up with a phone call and say, thank you for showing up. Thank you for being a part of this evening. Is there any suggestions you can make for next year? Get them involved. So for people listening that don't have engaged board members, I know my advice is to maybe get new board members. It's not as easy as that though. So you clearly created this culture where board members are very involved. I mean, they are sending emails, calling, making thank yous. I think that's fantastic. Can you give us some advice on how we can create that own kind of culture of philanthropy with our own boards? Start with two people. Don't take on the whole board. Start with two people. Pick two people who are energetic, who are enthusiastic about being a part of the board. Start with them. Then have them follow up about their experience during a board meeting. The other thing I do during our board meeting is I give them 15 minutes and I bring thank you cards to the meeting. And I have them fill them out right then and there. So if I have somebody who's not confident about being on the phone and wanting to make, you know, a phone call or say thank you, I give them the opportunity of writing a card. That way we're still getting what we need. So what kind of reactions have you received from donors since you started all of these different strategies? So my favorite thing is when they post them on social media, their their birthday Yes, 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 yes. I love that. They will share on social media all day long. Hey, did you see this cute card I just got from the clubs? I bet you don't get cards from your nonprofit or your... (laughs) Oh, I bet you don't. (laughs) So that's always fun. I just did Valentine's Day cards last week. So we'll see how that goes. I actually gave it to our kindergarten class and I said, hey, I need you to come up with a couple different designs and Canva. And I gave them like 20 pages of stickers and they used every sticker and they just decorated these little pieces of paper. And I just sent it in a cute little card and took me less than an hour to send out to people. So how else do you use storytelling in your donor communications. And I know you're focused on, you know, you deal with children. So you must have to, there might be a lot of confidentiality hoops that you have to jump through. So yeah, tell us about that. 
So we have an online system. We use Band for our internal communication system between our staff. Band. Is that like Slack? I think it's similar. Yes. B-A-N-D. Okay. I'll put it in the show notes. I'll look it up. And so that is where our staff actually post pictures of our kids doing activities all the time. Um, They can also post stories. They can tell us cool things that are happening. Like tomorrow's Valentine's Day. And so there's going to be a Valentine's Day dance at one of the sites. So I'm going to hang out for a little while and go see that. But this is how I stay connected by going into this online system. And I'm able to see pictures. And then I have the site directors actually give me a thumbs up on any of the photos that are safe for me to share on social media. And so we've got this little built-in system, so it works pretty well. And then I can share that with our external marketing company and they just, they run with it. And I just give them a brief little overview and say, Hey, this is what's happening in this picture. And here's how you need to tag it. So yeah, it works really well. That sounds amazing. I know so many people are listening and are just very jealous of that systematizing and the procedure because a lot of the time the challenge is getting program staff, getting buy-in, getting, you know, I don't know, photo rights or, um, but I would imagine, you know, because I know that I have kids in after-school programs and camps and you have to fill out a form, photo release form. And if you fill out, the, I always do, because I know how challenging it is to get that kind of content. But then the photo and likeness can be used. But I love this idea of a central place where actually they can thumbs up a photo and then you can outsource it. So I just have so many questions. But let's talk about the outsourcing. So how did you find this agency and... You know, what kinds of tasks are they taking off your plate? So this agency, Aspect Sex Creative, they actually, um, the owner and I worked together at my first uh, business straight out of college, um, the telecommunications company. So she was my general manager. And so I worked with her and she's like mom number two for me. But her and I just have had a really good working relationship over the past 20 plus years. We started talking and you know, I just said, Hey, I've got some questions for you. You have this agency. You do all these great things. Can I come in and just pick your brain? So I went in and I sat down and I had an hour long conversation with her. And I said, Hey, I am doing the website. I'm doing all the flyers. I'm doing all of social media. And that's a lot for an organization and especially one person. And so I said, how can I take that? And have somebody else do it. And she goes, oh, well, we could do that. And I'm like, oh, okay. So how do we go about doing that? And so we worked on getting a couple of quotes together. The good thing is, too, she also does like my annual report, my corporate partners program, um, brochures, and my materials for all of my events. And so I'm like, okay, well, this this is right in within your wheelhouse. And so now I don't have to update the website. I'm not making flyers every week. I'm not having to do social media. The only thing I have to do is provide the pictures, give a brief description of what's in the pictures, and then they come up with the content. And I get a proof every week. And I want my listeners to really hear this because Amy has been able to to outsource things that are not like in her zone of genius in what she needs to be doing in terms of donor retention and cultivation. Like 
you would not have been able, Amy, to increase the 26% to 46% or 49% if you were still doing flyers every week. So yeah, I think that's so important for people to hear. And this is not an ad for to get people to outsource things, but it's to help people understand that the reason why your donor retention might not be where it is or your fundraising results might be falling flat is because there are so many things on your plate that could be outsourced or could be given to an intern or a volunteer or you know maybe an associate if you're if you're lucky but i love that you are okay wait so now let's go back to your day to day like i know you're probably every day is different but how much would you say you're focused on that kind of donor cultivation so this first quarter for me is very unique because this is when most of my grants fall in line. Oh, right. And remember, everybody, Amy still has to do all the grants, okay? And that is a full-time job in and of itself as well. So this first quarter is really grant-heavy for me, and I have an event on March 30th. And so I am really focused on those two things. So donor cultivation to me is really getting butts and seats for an event. And trying to make sure that we have, I actually have a list on my whiteboard right now that says how many seats are open and how many seats are taken because I'm keeping track of this number every single day. So I'm concerned with that. So I'm going through making sure the mailing is out. We've taken care of making sure anybody who's ever attended this event in the past six years since I've been here has had an invite. Board members are now following up with a very specific list of people who have not RSVP'd yet. So that's that's their list. So they're doing that right now, coming out Friday. So there's just that day-to-day right now is come in, check emails, shut that down. Don't check emails until later in the day. Go through, make sure there's nothing I that is urgent that ha- can't be taken care of like tomorrow or the next day. And then I just work through my schedule. Every Friday before I leave, I have the following week scheduled out. I know what I'm doing every single day and at what times. Make sure you take your lunch break, people. Because if you don't, you can't sit at your desk for eight to 10 hours. It just doesn't work. It's not healthy. But yeah, I have that broken out every day of what I'm doing. That way I stay accountable to myself, but I'm also accountable to the things that have to get done. Making those phone calls, thanking donors. Make sure you schedule that out because if you don't schedule it, you won't do it. What gets scheduled gets done. I love that thing about taking lunch breaks. So are you working virtually now or are you going back into the office? I'm in the office. I've been in the office pretty much after that first 12 weeks. I was in the office. Uh, We just moved offices as of the 1st of January. So this is the first time I'm not sharing an office. So I'm very excited about that. I had two other people in the office with me at one point in time. So a different atmosphere and I can actually have conversations now. Exactly. Like those conversations on Zoom that you wanted to have, but you had a shared office. Oh my gosh, this is fantastic. So I know that you use Bloomerang, but I want to ask you, you know, what should nonprofits like yours or um, resource development managers be looking for in like a CRM, a constituent relationship management system? So the biggest thing for me, um, and we switched to Bloomerang, we were using something else is the ease of use. That's number one. Number two is how easy is their customer service? Are you actually going to be able to get, be able to either blend back to somebody, 
Can you do an email chat? Are they going to be able to get into your system or are they going to charge you every time they have to get into your system? That was one of the big things for us. I also wanted to make sure that our board members could be able to access it. And through Bloomerang system, it doesn't cost me extra to have people who want to be have access to the system. So that to me was really important because I feel like our board, if I'm asking them to be accountable to making a phone call, they have to be able to see the history. They have to be able to see what is going on in the past. They have to see the correspondence that has happened. The other thing you want to look at is how is it going to work with your day-to-day operations? Does it connect? If you're using QuickBooks, does it connect to QuickBooks? If you're using MailChimp, does it connect to MailChimp? Or can you get rid of something? I know when we switched to Bloomerang, we got rid of four external other things that we were using. We stopped using You're like Franken-stringing things together. Yes. And it didn't make any sense. So we actually just pulled everything together and we just used Bloomerang solely. And that has worked so well for us. We're not paying all these extra fees for different products. And so that is that saved us money right away. I think it saved us $250 for the when we first started. And so looking at how can you be efficient? If Bloomerang's not the answer for you, great. Then what's the next option? What's the thing that is going to work for your organization? There are so many options and you just got to figure out what's going to be best. That's what it is. We looked at six different companies when we were choosing. And I took it before my board. I took it before our CEO. Everybody had an input because everybody plays a different part in that. And then I think you also have to think about what is your back end structure? How are you going to support this? So yeah, great. You got a new CRM system, but you got a whole conversion of data now to do. What does that look like? And are you thinking you're going to get it done next week? No, you can't do it by that quick. You actually have to plan it out and figure out what is that structure going to be like. Think about how you currently have your naming system. Is this the time that you want to change your naming system in your CRM? Like, how do you have your first name and last name and middle name and all of that information in there? Think about that. I've noticed when we switched over our CRM, we were getting ready to do that. Some people put everything in capital letters. Oh, yes. All in lowercase. Some of them had done mixed. So you have to go through and check your data at the same time. So there's a lot to think about. Those are just a couple of the things. Um, I'm actually talking to another club and um, they're in the process of doing a transfer to a CRM. And she's like, I need to pick your brain. How do we do this? And I'm like, well, okay. So here's some steps. Here's some thoughts. So yeah, just think about it. Think about it strategically. In terms of, I love what you said about the back end, you know, what are you using it for? What's really important to you? But I also love what you said about having other people have access to it so that it's not like a donor. I mean, a board member's calling a donor and does can't see the whole history because that would be, that would not be so good if they didn't know they were a donor or if they didn't know they'd been giving for the last, you know, 20 years. So, you know, really quickly while I have you, I'm wondering What are your other, you know, kind of donor retention, cultivation, donor delight strategies for the year? You said Valentine's. I know you do the birthdays, which I love. Is there anything else on the horizon this year? 
So I do something called Corporate Partners Program, which is um, instead of going out to our corporate partners in town every time we have an event, anytime there's something big going on, I now have a one-time-of-year ask. I love this. This is something that I've heard being really popular. So yeah, tell me more about this. So in our community, most people just go every time they need something or they have something. And so for me, that's not time efficient for me. I don't have time to go out three or four times a year and say, hey, I'm sorry, I need $20,000. To the same people, right? To the same people. They get burnt out. They only have so much budget. I'd rather get in when I know they're building their budget and say, hey, here's the plan for this year. How would you like to support us? But I don't just look at their financial support. I look at, can we do a volunteer event? Can I get your employees to come in and do some kind of event? I do Amazon drives three times a year. Can I put something at your place of business for people to drop off donations to? Those are so successful for us. We do a snack drive, an art drive, and a toy drive. And those things are amazing for our community. I also look at, are there things that they're already doing? within their organization, like banks, you know, they can do $5 Fridays where they get to wear jeans or whatever the case might be. So can we be your charity for the week? And those funds go to the club. And so how do I get those people involved? First of all, get them into the building, see what we're doing. And then how do I take those volunteers and turn them into individual donors? My theme for 2023 for all nonprofits is to be more proactive and less reactive. And that is a great example of being proactive and not just saying, oh, we have an event in May, but then, oh, it's two weeks before the event and I need a corporate sponsor. I need a program sponsor. Like actually being proactive and saying, this is what we have going on for the year or even just the next six months. And how would you like to partner with us? I also think that's helpful for donors and sponsors because they have their marketing budgets set. They have their, you know, philanthropic budgets set and it doesn't help them to come to them two weeks before the event when they say, oh, my marketing budget's all spent, my my charity budget's all spent. So this has been really helpful. Amy, I want you to give us your biggest, juiciest piece of advice for anyone in your position right now, maybe just starting out, really struggling to manage all the hats, what would you say to them? You will not be able to do it all. No matter how hard you try, you will not. So find the thing that makes you the happiest and do that part of your job. Because I had this epiphany literally last fall. Been here six years at this point in time, last fall, and I was like, okay, we're looking at restructuring and doing all of these changes. And somebody said, why are you going to give up this? But that's your favorite thing to do. Why are you doing that? And I was like, oh, I have no idea. And so for me, it was like this light bulb came on. And I thought, no, don't give away the things you enjoy best about your job. Find somebody who can fill your gaps. Find the person who can fill your gaps. If you are better at grant writing and you need somebody to go out and do the individual, great. Find the person who can do the individual. If you are not as great at paperwork, great. Find somebody who can do your paperwork and do the thing that is really what you're passionate about. 
Because if you're not going to be passionate about this job, you're not going to last very long. I love that. Thank you. Thanks so much, Amy. Where can people connect with you if they want to learn more about learn more about you and the Boys and Girls Club of Muncie? So people can learn more about me either through our website at bgcmuncie.org or you can find me on LinkedIn. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. And everyone can very much uh, empathize. You are very busy doing lots of things. What else is on your plate today? Just for, you know, just to let us know, you probably have 10,000 more things on your to-do list. I actually have um, an endowment check. I got to go run over to our local community foundation and then I'm writing a grant and then I got a mailing I have to get out this afternoon. Oh gosh. Okay. Well, we'll let you get to that, but thank you. I really, really appreciate it. Thanks so much for shedding light on all of this and giving us your best advice. Thank you so much, Amy. Thank you for having me. And thank you to Bloomerang for uh, letting me come on and do this for them this month. We love Bloomerang. Okay. Take care, everybody. Well, hey there. I wanted to say thank you for tuning into my show and for listening all the way to the end. If you really enjoyed today's conversation, make sure to subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast app, and you'll get new episodes downloaded as soon as they come out. I would love if you left me a rating or a review because this tells other people that my podcast is worth listening to. And then me and my guests can reach even more earbuds and create even more impact. So that's pretty much it. I'll be back soon with a brand new episode, but until then, you can find me on Instagram at juliacampbell77. Keep changing the world, you nonprofit unicorn.